Hello, folks. Greetings from sunny Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin, and welcome to another edition of Variable D Postulate Ensemble Projects, a podcast about musicians out there working in the trenches that more people just need to know about. This is your friendly neighborhood studio man, Nick Drawstuff, and as always, I'll be acting as your host. I've got the windows thrown wide open up here in my uh, Door County studio, and so you might hear birds and dogs or whatever in the background, but it's such a nice day, I just thought it'd be kind of fun to let that stay in there. Now, the show is also partially mutated into a music education program about how to survive in the music business in the 21st century. That The last several shows have also been about surviving in the music business during a global pandemic. Today's show is very much about this idea. I'm talking to two music educators and professional musicians and band leaders who shed light not only on how to keep music performance alive during a period of social distancing and maximum numbers allowed to assemble, but also on the challenges that will be facing public school music teachers this fall when schools reopen. Things could get a little dicey. Today's show also has a lot of content. We're going to be playing a lot of music. So I want to keep the opening remarks down to a minimum. As always, I want to give a shout-out to the two companies I endorse, Wedge Mouthpieces, manufactured by Dave Harrison of British Columbia, and Getz and Trumpets of Elkhorn, Wisconsin. I use their gear exclusively. Go to wedgemouthpieces.com and getson.com to find out more. You can also find them on all the usual social media sites. I'm going to announce yet another change in this podcast. I've taken a two-week hiatus. Originally, it was going to be about two months. But due to the uh, pandemic, I kind of changed things up. And this is a secondary aspect of that change. I'm going to be adopting an every-other-week schedule. Amazingly enough, even though all of my live performances have been canceled indefinitely, I've been extremely busy doing recording and music production work as a specific result of the social distancing and music venue shutdowns that are going on right now. I've been working on virtual band projects for a couple of band leaders, and one in particular, the Shout Section Big Band, has been very active with all of this. I've done the audio editing for three performances, and we have at least two more in the works. These projects are so involved that they are quite time-demanding, so the pod will become a bi-weekly affair. Also, as a result of all this, I've begun development of a new phase of variable depositing ensembles. I've begun doing virtual band work there as well, with a slight wrinkle. I'm overdubbing all of the brass work and booking sidemen for woodwinds and rhythm sections. Many musicians have built-in home recording operations, and this provides folks like me the ability to get quality rhythm and horn sections without their ever being present in the room at the same time, or for that matter, in the room at all. This is an inherently inorganic way of working, but for studio work, it's remarkably effective. The producer has to do a lot of prep work to get things ready with suitable backing scratch tracks and click tracks, but this can be done. Now, I've been doing something like this already for well over 10 years. My old CD, No Man is an Island, was effectively done this way. The theme song for this show, as of now, is a piece called Punk's Funk, a tune I wrote for my son many years ago. None of the musicians were ever in the studio at the same time. In fact, the keyboard player was never in the studio at all. I sent him the files that I had at that time, and he prepared a keyboard track 
and deliver the sound file to me electronically long before virtual banding was ever even a concept. So as a prelude to the interview and today's show, I will begin by playing that full track right now. Just keep in mind that this was all done one man at a time. Now this is a longer track with a lot of soloing, so sit back and enjoy. Here's Punk's Funk.
Now on to today's show. I have asked Brett Dean, music teacher in St. Charles, Illinois Public School System and leader of the South Section Big Band, and John Dorhauer, instructor at Elmhurst College, composer, arranger, and leader of the Eisenberg Uncertainty Players Big Band, to join me once again. Both of them have done podcasts with me before. But today we're going to be discussing the challenges faced by music educators in the months to come and how musicians are coping with a strange new world. We'll be listening to several complete tracks produced entirely with smartphone and mobile device submissions of individual musicians just playing their parts. So let's get to it. Well, folks, uh, uh, starting off my podcast after a two-week instead of two-month hiatus, um, and I've got uh, Brett Dean, the leader of the uh, and Big Band. Brett, how you doing? Hey, Nick. How's it going? Uh, doing fine up here. And John Dorhauer, uh, who's uh, the composer and arranger in residence for the Shout Section Big Band, and also the leader of the HUP, a.k.a. the Heisenberg Uncertainty uh, uncertainty players is that how you call it that's correct you got it okay i keep wanting to say the heisenberg uncertainty principle but that's just the ex-high school teacher in me <laughs> i think we both know this yes. quantum mechanics or uh, uh, things like that has to do with um uh breaking bad <laughs> but uh yeah so it goes so that's correct uh, yeah uh, gentlemen uh, i kind of wanted to get you both in the show this week uh, because, um, you know, this is the, the first program uh, I've kind of done here, uh, sort of as we are coming out of uh, this crazy time uh, with uh, this uh, pandemic, everybody kind of hunkered down, hiding in their houses and such. And uh, the thing is, um, things seem to have changed. Um, Brett, I'm going to throw it to you first. Um, how has um, sure. all of this uh, had an impact on things like, well, for example, your teaching as a, as a uh, music teacher in the public school system mm-hmm. and also as a band leader, um, how do you see the impact yeah. uh, uh, you know, evolving here? Yeah, well, for the, for the band leader side of things, it's, it's continually ongoing. I mean, what we're looking at now is even though states are reopening and Illinois, I think, is being one of the more prudent states, I think it's taking its time. Um, for better or for worse, we'll find out. But I think it's, you know, uh, the people here seem to want to do a really careful job of, you know, opening back up. Uh, as a result, you know, it, even if the states are opening back up for business, some of the traditional things that a big band would um, be a part of like these summer festivals and weekend club dates and things like that. I don't think those are going to reappear for a while. Some of the, the repeat festivals that we play at in the summer, they've notified me that, um, things aren't opening back up or they won't be having it. Uh, We do a barn dance here in St. Charles that was just supposed to have happened this last week, you know, had things not gone this way. They've at least let me know that they're rescheduling. I mean, they're going to do one in September now, I think, assuming the world is kind of back to normal by then. Like I said, I think think from the band leader side of things, I think it's still ongoing. It's still evolving. The world isn't open back up yet. Uh, Now, in terms of these virtual things, which we'll talk about in a minute, you know, we're getting creative and, and trying to go a different route. 
yeah, the traditional live performance isn't back on its feet yet. I hope it is soon, but it's not quite there. With the teaching, that too is very uncertain. Missouri, a couple weeks ago, and I sent you the link, was first to say out of the gate, they're like, well, we don't know if we should have large ensemble rehearsals, choir, band, even orchestra. They were considering putting a moratorium on. I think a blanket statement like that might be a little short-sighted and doesn't allow for the creativity of the teachers to adapt to that. Um, so I hope it's not a, an edict from on high that overrules the judgment of the school districts and the individual teachers. But I know going you know, into my own job, it's very much in question how much we will have band uh, orchestra and choir and, you know, things like marching band that are sports dependent, that's on unstable ground right now. But again, I, I hope people are willing to consider the people in charge of school districts, states, you know, a creative groundswell, I guess, from the teachers to say, like, we can, com- we can be a part of the school environment in ways that nobody's thought of yet. You know, just because we're not playing at a football game in front of hundreds of people doesn't mean that we can't do something else for the school environment. Record one of these videos, you know, play to an empty auditorium with students socially distanced on stage. As we go forward, I hope just as the world is kind of getting into the rhythm of these virtual ensembles, you know, I'm wondering if schools could do maybe the same thing. John, how about you? Uh, you you're on the faculty over at Elmhurst College. I think, are things playing out the same way in the at the college level what about your work as a band leader yourself with Eisenberg uh, the, the Hup band how's this all again evolving around your experience well I'll start with the college experience first um, I ended up having to finish the music theory class that I teach online and switch to uh, e-learning for that as Brett has had to do for his classes this year and that Brad, I don't know about your experience, but it it was, in some ways, it works more smoothly than I anticipated, but it was also pretty challenging. Like, just for me as a lecturer, having to talk to my computer screen felt very empty and hollow, and it was really difficult to gauge how well the students were absorbing and understanding the material. But by the same token, I was able to more or less continue the class in the same way that I had before, had to make some creative adaptations to do so. But I I think overall, it went smoothly. I can't speak towards the ensembles at the college because I'm not involved with any of those. So I'm not sure how those are continuing. Although I know some of the groups at the school have put out some of the virtual videos that they've recorded remotely, uh, specifically to the class that I teach, that they're already losing the section that I teach for that for next year because enrollment numbers are down. And I think a lot of that's due to the COVID situation. Um, so so things are, are, are definitely changing on the collegiate front as well. And as for Heisenberg, we're kind of in the the same boat that shout section and all other live performing, especially large ensembles are where we just don't know where things are going to stand for us. Um, And I think especially with a big band, it's hard for us to socially distance ourselves, let alone the audiences that we're playing to. And it's, it's been kind of an interesting time for us because we just put out an album last week and we were supposed to have an album release show for that. That's ended up, obviously getting postponed and we're not sure when that's going to happen. But it's, it's been kind of odd having like putting out an album, but having to do so from the the confines of our own home. Very strange times. None of the bands that I play in 
Well, right now, the, the there's primarily two bands, Shout Section and the uh, uh, Jazz Consortium Big Band. Uh, Jazz Consortium Big Band has essentially shut down for the summer. Dirty Nelly's spot where we play all the time. Uh, I don't think they have any plans for uh, music in there uh, for the entire summer. Uh, I, you know, Brett, what's the story in Fitzbear Keys and uh, uh, and Fitzgeralds? Do you know anything about those clubs? I haven't heard anything in a little while. I got a hopeful message uh, from one of the venues that we're with. The the owner had had sent me a message on social media. Said we hope to see you in June, Illinois. As as we're going through these phases of reopening, I, I don't think that's going to allow for a June performance. Um, so I think, you know, I, I've been doing what I can to promote some of these venues and including them in our messages. Like this was recorded at Fitz's Fair Keys or here's a video from Fitzgerald's because we want to keep them in the public mind chair, you know, as much as our own bands, you know, they're, they're a partner in this. These, these venues that the big bands play at, I think, the ones that all the ones that you're talking about, Dirty Nellies, Fitz's Spare Keys, Fitzgerald's in the Chicago land area, they're they're really partners with the big band listening community and the performers. Fitzgerald's is doing something really creative. They uh they're doing this travel around town performance. Have you have you seen anything about this? No. They're, um, the new owner, he's 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 got some clever ideas. I've been watching his social media. There, you can hire some of the, I think some of the typical folk and rock performers um, that play at Fitzgerald's to, to come by in a truck and, and serenade you outside your house, you know, and it's got the Fitzgerald's logo on it. So they're, they're doing some creative stuff to keep themselves, you know, in the mind share. I'm sure they're all doing carry outs and things like that for their kitchens and kitchen workers and things like that. In terms of that, we're kind of at the mercy of our state. And and just our own good common sense about what's good for our performers. Like, uh, you know, if if I was in one of these states that suddenly reopened, you know, on a jolt, I'm not sure I would even want to schedule something yet, you know, until this, we see what this, if this first wave is even over, is the second one on the rise, you know, a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, by way of, um, informing our guests, or excuse me, not our guests, our listeners, because I have folks who listen from all over the world, but now not a lot, but they are from all over the world. Uh, we are from uh, Chicago primarily. John, uh, uh, Brett, and I are all mainly from the Chicago area, though I am hunkered down way up in northern Wisconsin in Sturgeon Bay. I do a little bit of work in Wisconsin, too. And Wisconsin, just you know, last week, by virtue of the um, Wisconsin Supreme Court, uh, kind of legislating from the bench instead of uh, 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 interpreting law, uh, they just opened up the state. And they, they just, op- it's, it's wide open now. Uh, it's completely up to counties and municipalities to make decisions. And now I'm up in Door County, and they, uh, in talking to a few people around here, I had to go to the automotive shop and basically um, I put my car out there. They came outside and talked to me, which said, like, 20 feet apart i had a mask on and then i sat at a picnic bench for two hours and uh did some reading while they um uh, worked on the car but they told me that uh they're you know folks are just going to be real careful in the restaurants uh you know limited if you have seating very limited um, and most people are still just doing a curbside pickup uh, i don't see any 
places bands are going to be playing around here. Uh, certainly, I don't think Green Bay is going to open up at all. They've had a real problem down there. But you, you see you know, videos of these bars in central Wisconsin, just people are just partying. No masks, just hanging out, just going crazy. And, you know, I can see bands getting in there and you know, having a good old time. But I have to ask myself, is this smart? I, I don't know. I don't think there's data yet, you know, just putting that out there. John, you know, the Heisenberg uh, certainly players tend to play a lot at Physi- uh, excuse me, Phyllis's Musical Inn uh, down in the city, uh, you know, again, city being Chicago. Uh, are there any other places uh, that the, the Hup tends to play on a regular basis? And, uh, you know, what's the story there? Yeah, so we have two monthly gigs. We have the big band that plays the second Sunday of every month that Phyllis's Musical Inn and then we have a small group, a six-piece version of the, van, of the band that plays at the Chicago Magic Lounge. And that's up on the north side of the city, kind of in the Andersonville neighborhood. Both of those are on hold until further notice. Um, I've talked with the owners at both of those shortly after everything closed down. And they said it's just on indefinite hiatus. And I haven't heard anything since with those. Uh, but I don't imagine that either of those are going to be opening up anytime soon because they're both fairly small venues that get fairly packed. Um, and so they're not really conducive towards social distancing, either from the performers or the audience perspective. The, uh, another place that we've played, and I know Shout Section has played before, is uh, the Fulton Street Collective, oh, yeah. which is a loft's performance space in the city and they've been doing some interesting things with offering like a stream from home performances so they'll have solo performance performers that will play jazz albums as part of their jazz record art collective series and so again i don't think they're going to be opening up for live performance anytime soon but another example of a venue that's trying to do some creative performance outlets during the pandemic. Interesting. Again, you both are teachers. And uh, one of the places I do like this uh, podcast are with some music education uh, forums and groups. A couple of weeks ago, my guest was a brilliant trombone player, composer, arranger. And he's a professor at the Lamont School of Jazz at the University of Denver. And uh, one of the things that they've been doing is very much all the rage right now with bands all over the internet. And that is virtual bands. They, um, uh, the university band uh, is um, basically they're all getting together online with uh, iPhones and iPads and whatever mobile devices students can uh, muster. And they're recording their parts to ensemble pieces and shipping them in. And then the school uh, audio engineer cuts them together and edits together shows. Well, John Elmhurst College has done that, has it not? Yeah, their their jazz band has done those, and their uh, electric guitar ensemble, I know, has also done a couple of virtual remote recorded videos. Brett, we, uh, the South Section mm-hmm. band, has now done three virtual band performances, which seems, again, kind of like the way things are going now. You know, you know bands are trying to get, keep together, you know, mentally and spiritually as an ensemble, individually, just mm-hmm. to, and you got to play somewhere. The first one that uh, we did was that thing. It's the end of the world as we know it, and I'm fine. Or, <laughs> and, yeah. and I feel fine. I can never. That old REM tune. 
Brett, why don't you tell us all about that? Yeah. You know, as this thing was uh, playing out in mid to early to mid-March, I uh, just kind of randomly sent a text to John one day. And John, you can jump in anytime. Um, but it, it said, hey, John, I feel like the world's falling apart. Um, you know, there's political strife. At this time, uh, big in the news, there was a, a plague kind of ravaging the Middle East and was spreading into China. Uh, there were like locust invasions. And then all of a sudden, this, this flu that was, you know, being, uh, you know, uh, talked about on the news as a, a flu that was more resilient and dangerous than we had seen in a long time was, was starting to uh, cross oceans and spread to all parts of the world. I sent him a text and said, would now be a good time to get an arrangement of It's the End of the World as We Know It uh, by R.E.M.? Uh, he went for it. John went for it. I had been, you know, just, <laughs> I think I had just put it on at home one day and thought, you know, this would be appropriate. My kids like to have an after dinner dance party. So I just, I put that on as the world was falling apart and my wife and I got the joke, you know, but it's just a fun beat for the kids to dance to. And uh, I thought, you know, um, at this time, we still had some live performances scheduled. We had a, a thing coming up at Fitzgerald's. And uh, as far as I knew, maybe Fitz's Spare Keys was still on. So I thought we'd open shows with that, uh, with that tune and just get, you know, just get the audience. They'll get the joke and enjoy it. And, you know, uh, I could talk about my philosophy of having a, a big band play at least one or two unusual pieces uh, in a very traditional, otherwise set some other time. But uh so, yeah, uh, and then I, I had also heard the Friends tune, and I remember that line, um, so no one told you life was going to be this way. And the grooves kind of fit together, and I, I sent it over to John because I know he's, he's a master at weaving together these pieces and finding commonalities and finding ways to blend them together. And uh, we hit on something that obviously got a little traction. It's, it's had more videos than I've more video plays than I've ever had from one of our, our big band videos. It was pretty cool. You know, we, uh, it, it was getting plays in Italy and, you know, some of these other places that I think were, were looking for an outlet or some kind of entertainment in the, the height of the lockdown. And uh, like I said, I looked at the metrics on it and it was getting, getting played all over the world, uh, especially in Europe. Well, let's give it a listen right now. So I'm going to drop this in. Uh, it's the end of the world as I, as we know it, and I'm fine, or I feel fine, eh, whatever. So, yeah, we'll check that out. And this is uh, the uh, Shout Section Big Band. <laughs>
Well, I think I guess I'll keep it near court for the moment here. Uh, after the uh, REM tune uh, kind of went, you know, went uh, out there and got, Mm-hmm. Some attraction. I mean, it's had like what 26,000 views so far, and, and counting. Uh, after that, you hatch the idea of let's keep this going. We did a mm-hmm. second tune with vocalist Amy Assinger. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that, and mm-hmm. uh, and you introduced the track. You know, I remember a quote that that you often talk about about the, the maybe you can help me out with it. It's about the little bird and and performing music. Let me jump in there. That's actually attributed to Johannes Kepler. And uh, he said, he's uh, uh, said, what prophet doth the little bird ask that it may sing? Uh, always found that to be rather profound. Mm-hmm. And in these times now where we're not able to do live performances, um, and, and certainly there's not a lot of profit to be, or any really to be gained from these videos. I mean, it's, it's the creative spirit of 20 musicians and sort of that collective atmosphere and wanting to play together to do something, you know, at, at the best of our abilities, we want to keep that going. I mean, it's just, it's not something you can shut off. And, and when the world actually did for once completely shut off in a really unprecedented way, uh, that switch can't go off in people. Once we did the first one, I, I always stress just leading with leading a big band and maybe John and Nick, you feel the same way that I always feel like, gosh, these guys are so great. You know, we, we do a long set, maybe three hours of a dance gig and you know, I can only pay them X, you know, and I want it to be X times five every time, you know? And it's, and I felt like after that first one, I'm like, I don't know if the guys want to do another one. They're sort of given their time. Uh, to do that first one, but I got, I got a lot of emails from the the guys and gals in the band that said, you know, send another one our way. You know, we want to keep at this. I want to play. You know, I miss playing with uh, an ensemble. What else do you have? Part of Shout Section's history and and one of our best friends in in the biz is Amy Assinger, and we wanted something that would showcase a lot of the guys in the group. There's a lot of great solos that you'll hear. Ryan Christensen. Mike Kennedy's in there, Stu's in there, uh, Nick's got uh, the Maynard chair uh, on this tune. Um, we wanted to find something that would kind of showcase everybody, and uh, we hit upon this great Chip McNeil tune arrangement for uh, the Maynard and Diane Sure album, Swingin' For Sure, which has some great arrangements on it. I don't listen to the album that often, but it is, it's got some great arrangements by Chip McNeil on there. And... Uh, I, I knew I had the chart, so it was the next one we kind of saw if we could put it together. And it came out really great. All right, let's give it a listen. Let's fall in love. Why shouldn't we fall in love? Our hearts are made of it, let's take a chance Why be afraid of it? Let's close our eyes and make our own paradise Little we know of it, still we can try to make a go of it We might have been meant for each other Let's fall in love, 
Discover 
let's fall in love. Let's fall in love. Let's fall in love. Uh, you know, during the, this lockdown, uh, I started watching another series called Ozark. I, I got to the um, uh, last season. Uh, you know, binge watched that a couple of days uh, while sitting up here. Uh, my place up in uh, Surgeon Bay, and we got to one episode in there, and they started at the end of it. it was a, you know, to call it a really dark episode is sort of redundant. Every one of them will take it down a, around the corner mm-hmm. and happen. And they started playing this tune that I, it just blew my mind, and I didn't recognize it. So uh, before I, I, you know, I was watching it on Netflix, so I played it, I, I rewound it a few times and held up my uh, Soundhound in the phone, and it identified it as a tune called Daily Mail by Radiohead. It just struck me as something that I thought would be really cool as a big band chart. Brett, I'm going to throw it over to you uh, to kind of, you know, take it from there as mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, what we did with that. I've, like you said, I've never seen a piece of music used as effectively in in a show as that one where it lands. Uh, you know, you're sort of, like you say, to, to call it dark is redundant. Yeah, you're, you're at a down point in the drama, and whoever is in charge of programming their music does a bang-up job because that one just slotted in there perfectly. And even though the lyrics are very abstract, if you're looking for maybe a direct meaning in them, I don't think you're going to necessarily get it, especially as it relates to the show. I don't think there is one, but I think there are some some lyrics in there that probably generated why they chose it, you know, like... Uh, you made a big theory, you made a mistake, um, you know, <laughs> following all the mistakes that Marty and the, the other characters make in that in that particular episode. Something about it, their their original instrumentation was pretty horn heavy. I mean, that was cool in and of itself. It looked like they had like a like a bass saxophone in there. They had a horn player, uh, a French horn player, as a matter of fact, uh, you trump couple trumpets and a trombone so it, it already had that basis of of horn strength in it it's it's very at the beginning starts out very contemplative uh it's kind of got a uh, uh john lennon imagine kind of vibe to it at the beginning with just the solo piano and the voice um and then it, it just builds it is it just like the show itself and kind of like breaking bad i i described it uh, Breaking Bad is the same thing. It has a, has a slow burn to it, just simmers for a little bit and then comes to a boil. Um, and this tune does the same thing. And that's very reminiscent of those, as you and I started to talk about, very reminiscent of those uh, uh, 70s and 80s, like power rock ballads that Maynard would just crush and destroy, you know. And uh, we, we thought, hey, you know, what would a, a modern take using you know, a tune just as they pulled from country road and fire and rain, you know, what if we drew from, from Radiohead (laughs) and and pulled from that tune. And again, we turned it over to John because we know he can, he can synthesize these styles so well and pull them together into something cohesive. Um, We even tossed him the added uh, challenge to see, you know, I, I heard some because of that, um, maybe that solo piano, but then again, some of the progressions and riffs sounded kind of Beatles-esque, like a, something not directly related, but down the evolutionary tree from the Beatles, um, and said, 
John, you know, can you find any uh, connections to that? And boy, did he. So, so John, um, tell us how you, you know, conceived of this tune when you wrote the arrangement and do a spoiler. Tell us all the tunes that you copped from the Beatles' as background. I've got to know. I, I heard a few. And I don't, I, I don't want I'll let you <laughs> carry the ball with that. Yeah. So, uh, I got to say, like, honestly, when you and Brett first approached me with the idea for the Radiohead tune, I thought it was an amazing tune. And actually, one I wasn't familiar with. I know most of Radiohead's canon, but this was, uh, I think, like a B-side to a single or part of an EP they put out, like after the Kid A album, I think. Um, and so I, I'd never actually heard it before. So it was, it was a really cool tune. I was grateful to have the exposure to it. Um, but I was a little skeptical with the Beatles quote thing. Cause I, I was worried it was going to come off as um, overly gimmicky or humorous in a way that wasn't integral to the aesthetic of the original tune. Um, but then like, I think I picked up on what Brett was recognizing where there's certainly this thread work of Beatles influence already kind of baked in to the music um, and so at the beginning where it's a little more spacious, a little more lush, I ended up using a, a few different Beatles quotes as just kind of like background melodic material to echo the main melody. Um, and those include a day in the life. Um, see if I can remember them all. Martha, my dear happiness is a warm gun. Oh um, there might be one other that I'm forgetting. Um, but then I also ended up using a day in the life as kind of this meta structural connective thread that ran through the whole piece. And so after the middle section, before it kind of kicks into the heavy groove part at the end, what I ended up doing was using the orchestral buildup transition from a day in the life that transitions from John Lennon's song into Paul McCartney's song uh, and kind of took that same idea where they at the time told the orchestra, I want you to start on your lowest note and in your time play up to your highest note and kind of did a reduxed version of that for big band where there's just a blanket aleatoric notation for the band where they like started wherever and then ended up at a, a written out pitch high up in their register. Um, and then there are also elements from A Day in the Life that appear as background material in the end section as well. And I think there are at least a couple others that I use. Um, I know Hey Bulldog was one that got used in the end part. Um, Helter Skelter as well seemed like an obvious one for the heavier part of the tune. Um, and I think that was all of them, but there might be one or two that I'm, I'm forgetting. I, d I did uh, try to use as many of them as I, I felt I could shoehorn in while still, again, staying true to the uh, integrity of the original. Well, I thought it came out great, and let's give that a listen. So here is uh, John Dorhauer's arrangement of Daily Mail as played by uh, members of the Shout Sex and Big Band from various and sundry of uh, <laughs> living rooms, bedrooms, basements, uh, wherever. Daily Mail. <laughs> Thank you. 
Okay, now, John, do you have um, uh, a virtual band thing from the Heisenberg Uncertainty Players, do you not? Yes, so we did a remote video recording um, that we're going to post sometime next week, uh, but I, I've got the audio clip that we'll, we'll check out here in a moment. Um, and it, this one was a piece that I wrote. It's, it's, an, it's a composition and one that I wrote specifically for a virtual recording uh, environment. Um, and I, I think probably the biggest challenge, and Nick, you could probably speak to this some since you've been, been doing all the audio engineering work for all these great shout section recordings. But I, I think the biggest challenge is being to, able to get everybody to play in time together, but also to blend and things that we kind of take for granted when we are sitting next to each other, but are, are just impossible uh, with the virtual big band setting. And so what I ended up doing was writing a piece of music that does not fit into a specific time or tempo necessarily, but one that invites uh, creativity and improvisation that's set up to uh, a stopwatch. And so the music is written so that certain events line up every 20 or 30 seconds, but in between those tent poles, uh, there's um, a, a degree of interpretive freedom for the performers. So uh, it's written all in kind of spacious long tones. And what I did was for each part, they're given somewhere from three to eight pitches within a space of about 20 seconds that they're supposed to play. But they move from one to the next in their own time. Um, and as a result, you end up getting this kind of dense harmony, but it's all based on just two different melodic lines. And those two melodic lines are themselves uh, inversions of one another. So the, uh, the pitch starts on a unison, or the song starts on a unison pitch, and then one part goes up a third, the next part goes down a third. Um, and so like you kind of get this reflective quality to it, where I kind of meant that as kind of us seeing like um, life in quarantine, but also having a vision of remembering what life was like on the other side of it. Uh, and so I ended up calling it see you on the other side as a way of reflecting kind of like generally what it's about relating to quarantine, but also specifically musically how it's kind of built around this um, journey to and from a unison pitch. And the result ends up being kind of this ligety, zanakis like orchestral, uh, ethereal texture that kind of weaves in and out throughout the piece. John, are you familiar with a piece called In C by Terry Riley? Yes. It's, your description sort of reminds me of that a little bit. Uh, sounds really, really intriguing. Um, and uh, so let's do this. Let's give uh, See You on the Other Side a listen right now.
Now, uh, gentlemen, you know, we've had a lot of content on this show, more than usual. So we're mm-hmm. we're kind of running to the end of our time slot here. Uh, one of the things that has been so difficult for musicians uh, is that you know, it's not just the fact that we're not playing together, but, you know, some of us actually derive a modicum of income from our performing. And that's gone. And it's a, you know, when you're living in a gig economy, it's very difficult to survive when you have no gigs. So, you know, there's been some online effort. Uh, Brett, uh, I noticed that in the South section, big band credits on our uh, virtual mm-hmm. band performances, there have been some uh, uh, requests for the consideration of maybe making some donations to the band. You know, if you were, if you want to hear the band in a bar or nightclub, you'd pay a cover charge. Uh, or mm-hmm. if, you, if you went into the yeah. uh, Phyllis's musical inn, you'd throw some money in the tip jar. So, but I'll uh, start with you. Shout out to big band, uh, you know, websites, links, uh, how people uh, contribute to supporting uh, uh, almost live music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, thanks, Nick. Thanks for, for mentioning all that. Um, certainly, you know, I, I, my goal is, you know, I, I love the band and I, I really care about the guys that are in it and I, I want to keep us active. And, and this is sort of keeping the foundation intact for when we, when we emerge from this thing. Um, but now, I mean, you know, we still want to keep the website up and we still want to, you know, commission new arrangements and, and add to big band literature and stuff like that, um, you know, in our own way. Um, so, I mean, if people are able to, I mean, certainly my favorite way that you could help out a, a, a traditionally live band uh, would be to buy their music. You know, uh, John's band's got a great new record out. Uh, Shout Section just a couple of years ago uh, released a, a new album called Swinging on the Stand. And we've since had that remastered just at the beginning of this year. And it sounds really, really good, very bright and clear. And it's it's got, it's like 18 tracks or something of, of great swing era classics and modern tunes that we've retro adapted to sound like they're from the swing era. Um and, and like I said, that would be my, my favorite way you could support a group is, is check out their music. Um, if you're thinking you might just want to do a little donation or something like that, there's paypal.me slash shout section um, where you can kind of just help us keep the website going. Um, and of course, you know, um, sometimes just subscribing to an artist's Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, uh, helps keep the momentum going for that group. Um, our Facebook is facebook.com slash shout section. Uh, I think Twitter and Instagram are both at shout section or at shout section, big band and our website shout section.com. And you can find us on all those sites. Um, and yeah, we just, the things that we're making now, um, the videos and, and recordings that Nick's played for us uh, today, uh, plus new things we've got coming out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we're still going to keep going with this. They'll all be at those places. So, yeah, the, the minimal thing is, is and it's really important to us, is just click the like or subscribe button. Oh, John, how about you? I know that uh, I uh, featured a lot of music uh, from your new CD, Gradient, uh, a few weeks ago. You just released your CD for those people who want to 
uh, here more and more. Please give us all the information you can about how to support the work of John Dorhauer and the Eisenberg Uncertainty Players uh, Big Band. Yeah, thank you. Um, so our new album, which is called Gradient, and again, the name of the group is Heisenberg Uncertainty Players, is available for streaming on all major streaming platforms, so Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube. Um, you can also purchase and download copies uh, from the iTunes store, but also from Bandcamp. So if you go to Bandcamp and look up Heisenberg Uncertainty Players, you'll find us there. That's the only place right now where you can order a physical CD. Um, but you can download download it there as well. Um, and then it, whatever your local jazz radio station is, just letting them know that you want to hear music off of that is helpful for us to getting uh, attention in that regard. Um, and just reiterating what Brett said, I mean, it just going to our social media accounts, liking and subscribing. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, and you can go to our website, which is kind of the hub for everything, which is huplayers.com. All right. Excellent. Uh, well, gentlemen, uh, that's going to be about it for this week. We've uh, uh, had a great conversation here. So Brett Dean and John Dorhauer, thanks so much for taking some, some time out of uh, <laughs> the, the strange days that we all seem <laughs> now. Uh, I'm looking forward to when we can all just kind of come back out and be normal and just, just play together again. So, uh, thanks for keeping, I'm kind of scared to see what we'll all look like. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm kind of scared, scared to see what normal is. Cause I don't, I don't know that I've ever experienced normal in my life. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jen, thanks so much. Appreciate your being here today. Thanks, Thank you, Nick. Well, once again, I want to thank John Dorhauer and Brett Dean for joining us on our show this week. Really found it to be a, a wonderfully engaging conversation, and it was a lot of fun to take that music and put it back into the podcast. Now, at the risk of wanting to toot my own horn and make an egregiously bad pun, if you'd like to support my work, if you've been listening to these podcasts and listening to my music on YouTube, yes, I'm on YouTube. I also have a website, www.nickdrawsdorf.com. I'm on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram. Twitter and Instagram, I'm pretty sure it's going to be at Nick Drawstuff. On Facebook, look up Variable D Postulate Ensembles and just like that page or follow it. In any case, I could also use your support. PayPal and a tip jar sort of thing would work just fine. Uh, just get my contact information off of my website once again at www.nickdrawstuff.com. Well, that's it for this show. Thanks for joining us. This will be it for two weeks. So in two weeks, we'll be back up here again with another program. Until then, uh, be safe, be well, don't stop the music. Peace.